The following is an exclusive podcast for the Dermatology Digest. Today, Dr. David Goldberg, Director of Skin, Laser, and Surgery Specialists of New York and New Jersey, and Clinical Professor of Dermatology at Mount Sinai School of Medicine and Rutgers New Jersey Medical School, discusses preventing and managing complications with non-invasive cosmetic procedures. Here's Dr. Goldberg. When it comes to injectables, um, for the most part, we're talking about the use of fillers, of which there are many on the market. And the classic fillers have hyaluronic acid in them. If people don't like them, if we're not happy with the results, we can dissolve that uh, with something called hyaluronidase. The bigger issues relate to some of the fillers that cannot be dissolved uh, or not dissolved easily. Um, and those include poly lactic acid, brand name is Sculptra, um, or calcium hydroxyapatite, the brand name which is uh, Radius. And so with um, poly lactic acid, um, we don't see much in the way of nodules anymore occurring from that. We used to see this all the time in the past because we now dilute the material much more than we used to. So when people are injecting fillers such as Sculptra, the important thing is to make sure to dilute this with enough saline um, so that there's not a lot of concentration of particles and to recognize that there's certain areas where we're more likely to see these nodules or particles than others. Uh, and those are sort of no-fly zones. So Generally, you don't inject sculpture or polyelectric acid um, in the tear troughs or around the lips, things of that sort. If you do get bumps uh, with this more diluted material, generally the patient feels them more than they're actually visible. Um, so they're not a long-term issue and they tend to go away with time. Um, radius, uh, calcium hydroxyapatite being the um, generic name, um, uh, generally, that doesn't produce nodules either, unless the material is injected in, in areas that, again, are no-fly zones. And those no-fly zones, again, tend to be the tear trough and the lip area. Albeit, some people are now using uh, calcium hydroxyapatite uh, in what's called a hyper-diluted fashion, which really diluted out. Um, and sometimes that is used in those sort of no-fly zones. But recognize that when you get nodules or bumps from this material, um, it's very hard to break it up. Uh, there is a material known as thiosulfate, which some have advocated can break up uh, radius. But the reality is it doesn't really melt it away like hyaluronic acid is melted away with hyaluronidase. All it does is disperse the materials. So if you inject a lot of radius in, into the tear trough and you get bumps and then you try to use the antidote, all it's going to do is disperse the particles. So best probably to avoid those areas. Probably the biggest issue that we discussed uh, as relates to uh, filler injectables, uh, is um, th the thing we really don't want to see, and that is um, having the material enter into a blood vessel. Um, that's called intravascular occlusion. Um, if that happens, patients often say they have enormous pain, um, and then you have trouble because usually the skin breaks down. And it's important to have ways to uh, try to treat that if it happens. Um, anything from hyaluronidase, which will dissolve the material, to using any sort of laser or radiofrequency device on the skin to warm it up, uh, anything that's going to stop this constriction. You know, we think of these occlusions as being like people who get raynodes where their fingers turn blue. You got to warm them up. So whether it's, uh, you know, hot packs or um, whether it's hot packs or whether it's devices that warm the area, those can help hyaluronidase inject in the area or just flushing it with saline. So you're diluting it out. 
The more common problem that occurs with fillers, which we spent a lot of time on, um, is, is a technique-related issue. Um, usually when you see uh, occlusion of vessels, it's not because you got the material into a vessel. It's because you inject too much and too quickly. Um, and all that does is it causes constriction because you're putting all the stuff in that's constricting a vessel around the vessel. And so there, the key is technique. Uh, inject slowly, uh, inject less rather than more. Um, less is always better, slower is always better, and that leads to a natural result. Uh, and um, generally, we'll make it so you don't have complications. So that was the emphasis as we talked about on fillers. Uh, the other injectable we discussed was uh, the use of neuromodulators, uh, the four brands out there now being Botox, Zeman, Dysport, and Juveau, uh, there'll be others. Um, generally, the nice thing about neuromodulators, uh, neurotoxins is whatever you do, it wears off. Um, you know, the, the complications are, are rare and they're usually technique related, uh, injecting the wrong area, injecting too much material, but at least everything wears off. So, um, you know, I have a medical hat and a legal hat that I wear um, outside of a case some um, 25 years ago where Botox cosmetic was used to treat headaches and there was a lawsuit over it. The actual cosmetic purposes, uh, there's been no significant lawsuit over the use of neuromodulators because the effects were off so quickly. So the major emphasis of the talk, uh, which is what I'll lead to now, uh, really had to do with um, complications that occur from energy-based devices. Um, and, and we included in that, I mean, there's so many now, you could talk about radio frequency, you can talk about lasers, uh, IPLs, uh, microwave devices, ultrasound devices, radiation therapy, uh, low intensity shockwave therapy, um, HIFEM, which is high intensity focused electromagnetic waves. There's so much out there. And one could spend two days talking about all these areas. We focused on the um, complications that occur from lasers, uh, intense pulse light, uh, and focus ultrasound devices, uh, the most commonly used one now is L-therapy. And we talked a lot about intense pulse light, IPLs. Uh, there are more IPLs uh, on the planet and in the United States uh, than any other energy-based device, uh, and often used by more untrained individuals than any other device. Uh, and whether it's lasers or IPLs, uh, in the end, complications generally occur because there's too much heat being delivered. Uh, and heat is not necessarily our friend. And so with IPLs and intense pulse lights, uh, you've got both pigment uh, as well as uh, water, as well as hemoglobin, all absorbing that light. And the key is uh, to make sure to uh, lessen the amount of energy being delivered, um, uh, do it over a longer period of time. I, I talk about the, the causes of complication being related to the fluence, which is essentially the amount of power, to how long the zap is, and that is the pulse duration, um, and to the energy being used in terms of the wavelength, the color of light, and lastly, cooling. So if there's too much energy, too much power, it's like 2,000 watt light bulb instead of 2,500, I mean, instead of 25 watts, that could be too hot. If the zap is over a very short period of time, uh, it can be more dangerous uh, rather than extending it over time if you don't have enough cooling. And if that wavelength, if the color of light is absorbed by pigment, you have to be careful in treating darker skin. And so whether it's using uh, an intense pulse light or any of the lasers we use, the issues are gonna be the same. Too much energy, too short a zap, not enough cooling, what wavelength? And those are the things people have to think about um, in order to lessen the complication rate. We also talked a little bit about some ancillary issues such as um, treating people with lasers or light sources or even injectables um, on their face and their upper lip. If they have a history of cold sores, 
um, you know, it's important to ask people about that because ideally uh, you want to pre-treat them or at least treat them at the same time with some sort of antiviral medication uh, to lessen that problem. Um, because if there's a problem that could lead to scarring where it might not have led to scarring otherwise. So standard of care and treating people when you're treating around the mouth is to ask them if they have a history of cold sores uh, and to make sure to treat them for that. Uh, let's see what else we talked about. We also talked about uh, laser hair removal specifically as relates to around the eyebrow. Um, there used to be a lot of people who did eyebrow sculpting uh, with lasers, uh, laser hair removal to lessen the density of eyebrows. Um, that's become a no-no now uh, because some of that light, even if you use eye shields, is gonna be absorbed uh, by the pigment in the iris of the eye and you can cause long-term problems with that as well. Okay. And then we talked also about focus ultrasound therapy. Um, if you don't have the handpiece uh, connected to the skin appropriately, if the energy, again, is not being delivered appropriately, uh, you can get bumps um, from denatured collagen. The good thing about that is with time that tends to disappear. Then we also talked about some other things such as burns from radiofrequency, uh, even glycolic acid burns. But by and large, um, although a complication can occur from anything, and then it has to be in your consent form warning people about it, most complications are related to technique. And so it's just being conservative, learning basic, basic techniques um, will really lessen the instance of complications. And a complication doesn't mean that you were negligent. Things do happen, but they generally go away if you're not a cowboy. Uh, and then... The last thing we talked about was uh, issues of people trying to be um, ahead of the curve, uh, particularly with injectables like fillers, uh, bootlegging fillers into this country that are not being used, uh, that are not FDA approved yet in this country, even though they're used successfully in Europe. And we talked about the fact if that happens, two things could happen if something goes wrong. One is uh, a, a provider or physician could lose the license because you can't be using things that are not FDA approved at all. Uh, and two, there's no chance of ever winning a medical malpractice case. This has been an exclusive podcast with the Dermatology Digest. Find more at www.thedermdigest.com. Thank you for joining us.